0: Lods, chain link fence. Oh yeah! Shabbat shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. We're live, we're here, and we are blessed and pray you guys are blessed as well. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Those of you in the chat, keep the good comments and chat going. Encourage one another and connect with one one another as well. We've got the feasts coming up here, Passover. Try and locate some people in your area through the... um. Connect groups, tour to the forward slash connect, and find some people in your area and get together. If it's just a short driving distance, you won't have to deal with airplanes and checkpoints and all that banditry. So be blessed, stay in shalom, and let's learn how to live in this world through the word. Acts chapter 9, a wonderful, wonderful. Piece of text for us. And of course, I believe, as I know that you do, that the word of Yahweh is sharper than a two-edged sword, able to pierce through flesh, cut asunder through to the marrow of the bone, and permeate our very beings, that we can live in this world, and we can conquer this world because we're not of it. And the word is able to cut through the layers, and the illusion. It's alive. I know it, and I know you do too. And Shaul was still breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of Yahushua. And he went to the Kohen Hagadol, the high priest, and he asked for warrants, letters from him to Damascus, to the synagogues in Damascus, So that if he found any of the way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound under irons to Jerusalem. Of course, this is the first instance of the way. We see that designation for the early believers here. Very interesting. A few things I want to bring up and then we'll dive further in. Um, I was contacted by, there you are, Sister Libby through email this week. Thank you, Libby. She's most probably in the chat and um, was explaining to me how she has dealt and navigated as I have with several people, quite a few, I would say groups that have really struggled and gone wayward when it comes to the Apostle Paul and um, doubt that his um, writings are inspired and that he's not a true apostle and possibly is the wolf in sheep's clothing. And our text in Acts chapter 9 oftentimes can be used by the enemy, I believe, to plant those seeds of doubt. So I want to address Paul today When it in regard to specifically the discrepancies, alleged discrepancies in the book of Acts, and you'll see a couple today, I'm going to draw out those discrepancies in the book of Acts. Number two, then that would lead to is can we trust the writings of Luke, who wrote the book of Acts? Can we trust? the Apostle Paul and his writings. Well, these are questions that have been posed to me. These have been questions that have been posed to Libby as well. Then, because I like to, we will discuss a shadow governing authority takeover because this is what it's all about in Acts chapter 9. We will discuss people being tagged for transport back to Jerusalem, and people today that are being tagged for transport down to the FEMA camp or to the city jails. But you're seeing that this really is coming into fruition in our day as well. And what happens, brethren, because this is what the believers were dealing with with Shaul, what happens when civil authorities are given broad sweeping powers of arrest and detainment. What happens? How do the believing community deal with that? Well, we are in such a time as that, just as the first century believers were. And that is where the word of Yahweh comes to equip us. Very interesting to note here in the first few verses, that Shaul, still breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of Yahusha, he went to the high priest. Well, how did he do that? I, I have a problem with that. What do you mean? He went. He went to Yahusha, did he? No, he didn't. He didn't go to the high priest because the last time I checked, as I'm sure you did, in Acts chapter, in excuse me, Matthew chapter twenty-six. The high priest ripped his garment in violation of Leviticus chapter 10 and he disqualified himself, Caiaphas, as the high priest and the whole priesthood was transferred over to Yahushua and the Melchizedek order by the oath of the trespass offering of Leviticus chapter 5. You see, Caiaphas invoked the law of the trespass offering. And Yahusha, if he didn't respond, would have been in sin. But he did respond. And how did he respond exactly? He said, It is as you said. But that's not good enough, Yahusha. You have to actually say it according to Leviticus chapter 5 and the law of the trespass offering. Once Caiaphas invoked the law of the trespass offering, Leviticus 5, Yahushua has a responsibility not just to say, oh, it is as you said, but I say to you, hereafter you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of Yahuwah and coming in the clouds... Now you'll notice that Matthew must have been a little bit concerned about the government mandates and executive orders going out from the Sanhedrin. Because he did not use the true name Yahuwah. Because of course the Sanhedrin, they weren't up for that. They were trying to hide the name just as they are today. And of course in the book of Matthew it is quoted, I say to you, Hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the power. But actually, in the Shem Tov of Matthew, it is at the right hand, of course, Psalm 110, verse 5, of Yahuwah, the yod He wah heh and coming of the clouds. All that to say this. The lawful high priest is Yehusha. Paul was getting letters from a shadow government. An illegitimate government that was operating under color of law. And they were depriving people of their rights and conspiring against their rights under color of law. It was not an authentic government. Many people believe that it was. Hence the term, the shadow government. You do realize all of the states got incorporated. They are corporations. And you do realize that United States is a corporation that lives in a file folder in 10 square miles. There's a difference between the American Republic and the United States Corporation and the incorporated 50 states as to the states of the union. It's called a shadow government, as it was then, so it is now, which is how they can send people out with orders, guidance, and do these things under the cover of law, but it is not actually lawful. It may be legal, but it isn't lawful. And this is how they conspired against the kahal, the assembly. Am I the only one seeing similitudes in today? Look, the lawful authority of the Levitical high priest is void. We have a shadow governing authority that has taken over. It has the form of law, yet it is not actually lawful authority at all. Synagogues had civil authority, but not as broad a power as Shaul needed. And here's a historical reality. It is a fact. It is without dispute. Government does not know when to stop. In the history of mankind... Any government established by men will continue to expand, continue to add laws, continue to bring forth more legislation. It will keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And every single human being has a different threshold. But it's wired in us from our creator. We all have a different line where we say, that's enough. That's enough. And when the majority get to the point where government has pushed so far, because government is stupid, and it doesn't know when to stop because it's from a luciferic realm which will just continue to push. But when enough of the people say, "Aha, uh-huh, uh-uh, what do you have? then you have an uprising and eventual liberty. That's what happened here in America. The British just kept on pushing. They just kept on pushing. And finally, enough people said, enough. Government will never stop until the people say, enough. This is what happened in Jerusalem. This is what's happening today. But what was going on was all being laid a foundation, and it spread up to Damascus, into Arabia, and Paul was the biggest part of the problem. But then something amazing happens. There was house arrests. There were letters and blacklists being compiled. People were being tagged for transport back to Jerusalem. Think about it. These believers up in Damascus, they knew that Shaul was coming for them. They knew that they were being tagged for transport. I just spoke to somebody this week that's on the red list. If you don't know the difference between the lists, they are legitimately out there. Some of you have been flagged, tagged for transport. This is a real thing. It was then and it is today. But how do we do and deal with that? We have to go to that secret place. We have to have a Damascus Road experience. We have to. That's the only way. Otherwise, that fear will cripple us. We have to have had a Damascus Road experience where the light and the power of Yahusha has entered our life and we are no longer our own. We have to have had that and we must always remember that time and we must go back to that time because natural me, it's oppressive out there. I know they're coming. And I know some of us have been tagged for transport. But I shall shine the light in the darkness. And I shall do the missionary work of the gospel regardless. I am terrified. Ananias says, You want me to go where? You want me to go to the guy who has tagged us for transport? And Yahweh responds with one Hebrew word: bow, go. Nothing more, nothing less. The same very words that he says to the riders of the apocalyptic horsemen, to the horses themselves: bow, go. The Hebrew word bow can mean come or go in this instance. And we will look into that because that is the time in which we live. Where there is oppression, fear, and society is shaking. Many of us are in Damascus, if you will, and we know that we've been tagged for transport. Metaphorically, for some, allegorically for some, and literally for some. We know. But what do we do? This word of Yahuwah is for the last day, remnant saints, and it is so alive and so powerful, it just blows my mind. And I feel so blessed to be able to be around other believers and be teaching the word of Yahuwah with house arrest, letters, and blacklists being compiled, people being tagged for transport back to Jerusalem, the general wearing down, the wearing down and havoc upon the saints. Can you begin to relate? You see, we all are in different situations in our life, some of you are retired, some of you um, have no need for social security, some of you, you have to wait, you are dependent upon that check, and some of you are are, are in, in jobs where you're barely making it, and then some of you, you don't need to work. I mean, there's so many different categories, but together, we have to work together as the whole body to help those that are dependent upon the social security check, right? That's a full major contract with the government. Oh, okay? And I'm not saying you cancel those contracts, I'm not in that situation. And then there's others of you that... But we have to be compassionate to be able to identify that. The different parts of the bodies are engaging with the world more than other parts of the body. And the ones that are having to engage with the world more are most probably dealing with a lot more fear, a lot more anxiety, and a lot more pressure. And then the ones that, as you said, have the luxury or have made, oftentimes, better decisions, I'm just being honest, that don't have to, well then... Maybe they have the opportunity to be spiritual ambassadors, to really shine that light and to help and encourage. Whereas somebody else, man, they're just trying to survive. That's the kind of saints that Yahweh wants us to be. Because we are a body of Mashiach. There's toes, there's feet, there's... And we're all working together in these days because some have been tagged for transport. Time... I think to work on a clandestine plan or an exit strategy. Really? I mean for Paul it was a basket. Nah, I'm not so into the basket, you know. It's just I'm you know I don't know about you. I mean I'm not I'm the wicker basket hot air balloon thing. Now I don't think lowering me out of a window that now I'm I'm not I'm not up for the basket. You know, I don't trust the basket too much. But the assemblies knew that Shaul was coming for them. They knew that they were targeted. And they had heard from many pains and punishments that had followed on the heels of Shaul. It was a very fearful time right here in Acts chapter 9. And it all centered on one man. Now, some of you are also very afraid right now. Because maybe the election didn't quite, you know, the whole Q thing didn't work out for you. And, and now your fears are all centered on the reality of, of one man. But you know what? We cannot be like that. Because Yahweh can overcome even the Shaols of the life. Now, I'm not saying that Yahweh's going to want to overcome Biden. or I mean, I'm not saying that. But is it possible? All things are possible in Christ Jesus. All. Oh, I can't believe you didn't use the true name. People, I mean, right? Oh my goodness! So, so easy. Just to, oh, that Leviathan spirit, right? Come on, remember our humble beginnings. Remember our humble beginnings, please. Shaul Shao went against his mentor's advice here. Didn't he? Remember what Gamaliel says? I think that was some good solid advice right back there in Acts chapter 5 verse 38. Leave them alone. Let Yahweh deal with it. That was some solid advice. It could have solved him a lot of problems. I'd like some of these politicians to take some of that advice. Just would you just leave us alone to worship, to congregate, and to pray? Leave us alone. If you don't, then you're going to have to deal with some serious thunderbolts and lightning. Because I'm praying that in. I know you are too. Okay? Just like the disciples in Luke chapter 9. That's the kind of wrath that I've got going on. Okay? I'm just telling you. Look, one man, one law, one government, One army may descend upon us. But remember, the mission situation is always the same, and it goes down the line throughout the centuries. The mission is always the same. The world will always hate the saints because the darkness hates the light. And the people of the darkness hate the light because their deeds are evil. John chapter 3, verse 19. Evil. The stuff that these people are into, well, there's nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. The theme, like I said, of Acts chapter 9, specifically the 15th verse, is the Hebrew word bow. It's spelt with a bet, a vav, aleph. It's Hebrew Strong's number 935. It means to come or go as in plagues, as in apocalyptic horsemen, as in, it's time to go. Do the mission. Regardless of the outcome, we have a gospel mission that is so powerful in these days and in these ages. Yahweh's children are on a mission today and we are well aware, well, at least I am, of the grim possibilities that we face. Because the world is... Hates us more and more as it gets darker and darker and darker because the light exposes the deeds of darkness. But we are assigned, all of you, all of you are assigned your specific task in this life by Yahuwah to do the mission. To do the mission. It's a mission of this age. Take the light of Yahuwah with us into the darkness of this world. Are we willing to take on the liability in a dangerous situation for the sake of the gospel? And Ananias did. He was Yahuwah's man, Ananias was Yahuwah's man. Yahuwah said, go. Are you ready to be? Am I ready to be? Because I really believe we're all going to get that bow moment where we're like, oh my goodness, like Ananias. And then Yahweh says, just go. Look at Acts chapter 9, verse 3. You'll see this whole going throughout the text now. But in going, you see, going can be used for plagues, but it also can be used for the gospel mission. Here, it's used for a plague, right? Saul, Shaul was the plague, if you will, coming to arrest them, tagged for transport. But in going, it happened as he drew near to Damascus, even suddenly a light from the heavens, the Shahmaim, shone around him and he fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying to him, Shaul, Shaul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, master? And the master said, I am Yahushua, whom you persecute. It is hard for you to kick against the goads and trembling and astonished. He said, master, what will you have me to do? And the master said to him, arise, bow, go into the city, and you shall be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him, stood speechless, indeed hearing a voice, but seeing no one. And Shaul was lifted up from the earth, and his eyes were opened, but he saw no one. But they led him by the hand, and they brought him to Damascus. And he was there three days, as blind as a bat. And he did not eat or drink. We all have to have had that Damascus Road experience. I had it, like I've shared so many times when I was 24, but I've also had these go experiences, these bow experiences very frequently in my life. Very frequently, where I have literally, well, not literally, but I have heard the voice of Yahuwah in my ruach, in my spirit, to say, go, oh, I don't want to do that, go, and then I go to my wife and I say, oh, I have to do it though, or my wife will come to me and said, and have a go experience, a bow experience, so many times, and it's often trepidation of, oh my goodness, got butterflies, feels sick to my stomach, but I have to do it. And it's usually the opposite of everything that I want to do in my natural man. And it usually means overcoming a fear, an anxiety, a trepidation, a self-doubt, a self-consciousness. One of my bow experiences, I'm actually living right now. To teach public, I can't teach. I, I, I'm not a public speaker. My my voice quivers when I talk. You would never believe that now. But there was a time. I did public speaking at boarding school. F for fail, Matthew. Rubbish. Rubbish. <laughs> What happened now? I mean, people, my mother, if my mother was here, she'd be put a brown paper bag over his head. He just won't stop. How did that happen? You walk in the go, and then all of a sudden, what was a fear becomes a strength. And you overcome. But it usually is a fear and trepidation moment. We're on a mission and Yahoo has equipped us. We all have to have a Damascus Road moment to be truly, truly in the light and power of the Holy Spirit. And your moment is going to be different than mine. And we cannot compare moments. It's going to be different for everyone. But go to the moment. Remember the moment. The moment is always within you. It's the light of the gospel and the light of Yahusha, your Messiah, to empower you. Throughout your life, throughout your life, this is how Saul, Shaul, was converted. Now, and here, the problem actually begins with many who doubt the validity of Paul. Right here in this very piece of text that I just read you. What do I mean? The apparent, alleged, inconsist- inconsistencies of the text... There are a whopping, if you caught it, four different versions of the story here going on in the Bible. And that is a problem for some of you out there, especially some of you that have recently come into contact with me and with Libby. There's four different versions of the story. What is going on? That's enough for many people to just pack up their Bible and walk away from Paul which I would strongly discourage you from doing before you listen to the rest of teaching. Look, number one, Acts chapter 9. Put a bookmark there. Number two, we got an inconsistency with Acts chapter 22. Number three, we've got an inconsistency, allegedly, with Acts chapter 26. And of course, what are we going to do? Number four, with Galatians chapter one. Because they all ain't jiving together. Allegedly. Okay, so that's where I'm at right now. If you're tracking with me, we're looking at the alleged discrepancies with Paul's Damascus Road experience. These discrepancies, allegedly, in those four passages of Scripture in the New Testament, are enough for many of you to pack up your Bibles and leave Paul outside the gates, which I strongly discourage you because I think I can show you, I pray if you give me the opportunity and demonstrate through the Scripture, not my opinion, through the Bible exactly what's going on because I believe that when there's a problem, the problem is with me and you and our thinking, which is stinking because the word of Yahuwah is perfect. And it does not come back void. Let's look at the differences between Paul himself and Luke. Let's look at the call. Number one, let's look at the call. In Galatians chapter 1, if you look at the call, Paul tells you himself that it comes on the Damascus road. Galatians chapter 1, Paul tells you the call came on the Damascus road. We got a problem. Because Luke contradicts that, allegedly, in Acts chapter 22, verse 17. And he tells us no, 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 no. Paul's call came via a temple vision in Jerusalem. Well, I'm done with Paul then. And I I Luke as well. No, 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 no. Now, there's another problem, allegedly. Number two. The second stage of the journey, in Galatians one, Paul goes into Arabia after his conversion. But here's a big but: in Acts chapter nine, Acts chapter nine, he goes to Jerusalem. Well, what is it? Would you make your mind up, please? Does he go to Arabia or is he going to Jerusalem? Because there's an apparent conflict here between Galatians chapter one and Acts chapter nine. Nothing in Acts chapter 9 says anything about Arabia. What's up with that? It's kind of important, isn't it, Luke? See, packing up the Bible. I'm not dealing with Paul. We've got another problem. Number three, we have a discrepancy, allegedly, with the accounts. So hopefully you're tracking with it. Number one, we had a discrepancy with the call. Number two, we had a discrepancy with the second stage of the journey. And number three, we have a discrepancy with the accounts. And within number three, we've got an A, B, C, D. And I'll break it down for you. A. In Acts chapter 9, verse 7, the bystanders hear a voice and they see no one. B. B. In Acts chapter 22, verse 9, they see a light and they hear no one. That's kind of weirdly conflicting, isn't it? C, in Acts chapter 26, verse 14, a statement is added to Yahusha's challenge that it's hard for you to kick against the goats. Well, why did that get added in? And D, In Acts chapter 9, verse 15 through 17, the commission to the nations actually comes through Ananias. Yet in chapter 22, verse 17, it comes through the vision in the temple. Uh, And if that's not enough to make your head spin, finally in Acts chapter 26, verse 17, it comes on the Damascus road. You're going to have to rewind the tape on that. Or just, you know, modern parlance. Just bring the... What did he say? I just said it all. But I have notes. <laughs> now, you can get the notes by going to www. That's to, 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 to tribes.com and you'll find this teaching and you should be able to download the notes. Okay, I'll put them up there for you. So the question I have is, did you hear the voice or not, Paul? Witnesses, did you hear the voice or not? Did you see something or did you see nothing? Were you commissioned through Ananias or a temple vision? Or was it on the Damascus Road? Oh, yeah, and were you in Arabia or were you in Jerusalem? I mean, I do see some of your problems here, some of you that have thrown Paul out. You're like, ah, see, I can't. Have you ever thought about this? Yourself? No? No? Well, I obviously have. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> Maybe i am <laughs> caused more damage now. No, no, no. Because some of you actually, where are you? There you are. Have brought it up. So, I think I have a solution. Okay, the solution: we need to change our view and view it through differing, differing, excuse me, theological emphases rather than historical discrepancies. We need to change our view. People that are giving up on Paul—they're saying there's historical discrepancies. No. These are differing theological things being emphasized. Luke, for instance, he's writing about a 30-year span of Paul's life. There's a lot to be dealing with here. There's different theological emphasis being made. These are not historical discrepancies. Let me further that for you. Chapter 9 is central in the tracing the progress of the mission to the nations. That's all chapter 9. It's about, it's central to tracing the progress of the mission to the nations. So Luke's stress is on what? Commissioning. Luke's stress in Acts chapter 9 is on commissioning. That's his theological emphasis. Now, when you get to chapter 22 of Acts, it comes after the trip to jerusalem and it's paul's defense before the nations before the romans before the excuse me before the jewish mob so luke right here in acts chapter 22 if paul is being thrust before a jewish mob and it's his defense before a jewish mob what's the emphasis going to be on a jewish polemic right That's going to be the theological emphasis, a Jewish polemic, and it shows right there the continuity between the Torah and the nations, that there's an attachment between Torah living and the word going out to the nations. You see that specifically in Acts chapter 22, verse 17. Then when you get to Acts chapter 26, this is Paul's defense before Agrippa and more Roman now than it is Jewish. No longer a Jewish mob, Acts chapter 22. Now he's before a Roman mob, if you will. He's before Agrippa. So what is going to be the emphasis? The theological emphasis is going to be more gentle, Gentile, more nations. Or you kick against the goads. Well, that's a Gentile metaphor. It's turning a Hebrew phrase into a Gentile proverb for the years of Agrippa. Does that make sense? So these are different theological emphasis. These are not historical discrepancies. But if we only can view it as an historical discrepancies, we won't see the broader aspect of the scripture, what it's trying to communicate. There you go. I'm done. Now I've confused you all. <sighs> Did that make any sense? If, if it didn't make sense to you, we are up the creek without a paddle. That's all I'm saying. I mean, I'm looking... If, if <laughs> I mean, I remember the days. I remember the days when I was um, teaching... I don't know what calendar we were on back then. And I would look out at Mr. Leach and I would be like... And he'd be like... Because Matthew's math. <laughs> yeah, we, we had some problems back then, didn't we? That's why... <laughs> We don't do that anymore. I'd be like looking for some moral support out in the audience, and then I'd be like, I see all these funny. So anyway, let's get back verse 10. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And the master said to him in a vision, Anias, And he said, behold me, master. And the master said to him, here we go. Arise, bow, go into a street which is called the broad thoroughfare. Some translations say straight street. There's some there's some not straight streets around nowadays, let, let me tell you about that, but we don't want to go into that. But this was a broad, a broad thoroughfare, the main market street. And go and inquire in the house of Judas for the one called Shaul of Tarsus, for behold he is praying, and he has seen a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. And Ananias, I mean, he's got to be wondering, what, you really want me to do this? Master, I have heard from many of this man how many evil things he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. He has tagged us for transport. You want me to go down and talk to The director of Homeland Security? What are you going to do? Okay. And here he has authority from the chief priests, allegedly. Because this is a shadow government, right? This isn't lawful. It may be legal, but it's not lawful. There's a difference. This is a shadow government. For this one is a chosen vessel to me to bear my name before nations and kings and the sons of Israel. For I will show him what great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went and entered into the house and putting his hands upon him, he said, Brother Shaul, he calls him brother now. The master Yahusha, who appeared to you in the way in which you came, that's why we're the way, has sent me to you that you might be filled by the power of the Ruach HaKodesh. And instantly the scales, as it were, they all fell upon his eyes. How many of us have had the scales? Full? I mean, it's just been an amazing 20-odd years for me. Oh, my goodness. The scales just falling off, your, off of your eyes in so many aspects. And then you end up going, is there anybody out there like me? And then we find one another at Torah to the tribes. It's amazing. It's truly, truly a miracle. And instantly those scales, as it were, fell from his eyes and he instantly saw again and rising up he was baptized and taking food he was strengthened. And Shaul was certain days with the disciples in Damascus and immediately he proclaimed Moshiach in the synagogues that he is the son of Elohim. But all who heard of him were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in Jerusalem and came here for that very reason, that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? And Shaul increased the more in strength and confounded the Jews who lived in Damascus, proving that this one is the Mashiach. Shaul then escapes. And we see here from Damascus in verse 23. And after many days had been fulfilled, The Jews took counsel together to kill him. But their plot, their conspiracy, was known to Shaul. And they watched the gates day and night in order to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a basket. And arriving in Jerusalem, Shaul attempted to join himself to the disciples. But they thought that this was some very dodgy behavior. And they were like, nah, no, 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 no. This is somebody trying to infiltrate our midst because he's tagged us for transport. This is all part of the conspiracy. He's trying to pretend, but really there's something else going on here. Whoever, who I mean, who gets these kind of feelings often? I do. When I interrupt, yeah, I don't know about that. Yeah, 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 I'm very suspicious, I must say, I must say. Okay. But what's really happening? Turn with me to Galatians chapter 4 here because I want to now explain the authenticity authenticity, of Paul's conversion and just how Yahuwah has truly used him because the scales came off, off of his eyes. This was a Torah scholar entrenched in the Sanhedrin, entrenched in Pharisaic law, studied under Gamaliel, He could recite the Torah portions. And then all of a sudden the scales pop off of his eyes and he's able to break down the book of the law and the book of the covenant dichotomy. And when those scales come off your eyes and you're able to see that, then it really sets you free from religion, from lawless papal religion, But it also sets you free from the synagogue of Esatan and the Messianic movement that will get you right back in to Judaism. This is amazing. Galatians chapter 4 verse 21. The book of the law, book of the covenant dichotomy because Paul's scales have fallen off of his eyes. Tell me, you that desire to be under the book of the law, the law, do you not listen to the Torah? For it is written that Avraham had two sons, the one by a female slave, the other by a free woman. There's the dichotomy. But he who was from the female slave was born after the flesh, carnal, fleshly. But he who from the free woman came by A promise, the covenants of promise. Paul explains here the law division, that the book of the law was born after and is fleshly. Look at verse 24. Because this is an allegory, for these are two testaments, Old and New Testament. Is that what it says? These are two covenants The one is from Mount Sinai that brings forth slavery, which is Hagar. For this Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. Key point. And it corresponds to Jerusalem that now exists. The Jerusalem of Paul's day was entrenched in the law that was added at the golden calf. Exodus chapter 24, specifically verse 11 is your book of the law break. And they were entrenched in the Levitical hierarchy and the book of the law schoolmaster system, so much so that they had an illegitimate high priest acting because Caiaphas had invalidated his rule. It was a shadow government system that the majority were going along and they were scaled. We live in that world today. There is a shadow government and the majority, they are veiled and scaled and they're going along with that system. But there is more because now Paul states this is an allegory about two covenants One is from Mount Sinai, Exodus chapter 24, verse 12. It's fleshly, and it brings you into bondage, and was the present state of Paul's day. You see, if people understood this, I think that they would be more excited to read Paul's writings rather than just say, oh, look at the discrepancies. There's no discrepancies. When you can have the scales come off and realize that Shaul, once he had that Damascus Road experience, he was given the understanding of which we are now recipients of. The narrow road between the two covenants is the Melchizedek way. Look at Galatians 4.26. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, because that's the one that Moshe Rabbeinu modeled everything on. Remember, it was a picture of the tabernacle in heaven which is the mother of, of us all. So the book of the covenant, Exodus nineteen to Exodus twenty-four, eleven, is free because it's the heavenly Malchetic. For it is written, Rejoice you barren that did not bear, break forth and shout for joy, you that did not have labor. For the barren and deserted one has many more children than she who has a husband. That's amazing. Now, Israelite brothers, you are like Isaac was. We are the children of promise from the covenants of promise. But as it was then, he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Ruach HaKodesh. Is that exactly what Paul was doing? Was Paul born after the flesh, Shaul, send with letters of transport and arrest under the Pharisaic Levitical system. But he has a Damascus Road experience which transports him out of that system to the heavenly Jerusalem and he gets the book of the law, book of the covenant dichotomy and now he's embracing the truth of the gospel. He who was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born after the Ruach HaKodesh. Paul, when he was in his fleshly self, was persecuting born-again believers in Yehusha until he became like kind with them. Isn't this amazing stuff? You see, the corrupt Hasmonean temple system was flaunting the book of the law. It was persecuting the Eleazar Zadokites, those who were following Yehusha even all the way up to Damascus. This is what is so amazing. We come across so many people today who are afraid to trust Paul's writings and don't believe him to be a disciple. And that was common back then. People were like, oh, I don't know about this show. Oh, I, don't th- I don't trust he's actually a disciple. Well, hang on a minute. The common denominator to those who have drifted this way is that they have not been given the truth about the book of the law and book of the covenant dichotomy that I just explained to you in Acts, excuse me, in Galatians chapter 4. This is the crux of understanding and having harmony and trusting Paul into your midst. This is the crux. You'll never trust him to bring him into your midst. His writings, his teachings, he is the sholiach and apostle. If you don't understand that, it's too easy to get entrenched into a misreading of first century history that you can fall into the character assassination of Paul. It's too easy to assassinate Paul's character by calling him a heretic or the anti-messiah incarnate. I've heard people say that. I've spoken to way too many people over the years who've fallen prey to scattered proof texts and partial phrases that are taken out of context and they use them as proof texts. That Paul was the ravening wolf that he warned against in Acts chapter 20, verse 29. No. And if you do tie a string around this whole pull, I can't be trusted into our mitts thing, then you realize that that is a very, very dangerous road to travel. It does have very, very... If you're going to be consistent, because I can't stand hypocrites. I'm just telling you, I can't stand it. It infuriates me. People that compromise... And they say one thing, and it—I dro- can't, I, I just can't tolerate it. So, if you're going to be consistent, you've got to go the whole way. None of this flip-floppy stuff, okay? You've got to go the whole way. The broad road journey, traveling away from Paul, then, because you have to be consistent, means that you have to cut out fourteen of the twenty-seven books of the New Testament. So if you're going to be consistent, then you've got to start there. But it won't end there if you're not going to be a hypocrite. Because consistent hermeneutics would then mean that you would have to call into question Luke's writings as well. So you're going to kick out 14 of the books of the New Testament right off the bat. But to be consistent... Consistent hermeneutics would demand that you question Luke's writings too. Because if Luke can't be trusted since he was a co-laborer and sympathetic to Paul, then you have to rip out the Gospel of Luke and you have to rip out the book of Acts as well. Yet critics of Paul often use material from those very sources in their arguments against Paul. And, well, you can't do that. But they do. And they don't see that that, that that makes no sense. That's hypocrisy. And that starts to get me upset. You're trying to trash Paul's name, but you're using the very books that you shouldn't be using because you don't believe that. But they haven't thought it through because it's a knee-jerk reaction based upon Fear. Oh, we can't let him into our midst the messianic movement says and it's a messianic movement problem it really is not 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 to dog on the messianic movement but you see there's more though it never stops there once you start unraveling the thread because then you have to call into question the other apostles don't you well why would i do that matthew well you have to you have to call into question peter You certainly have to call into question James and definitely you've got to call into question John because they accepted Paul's apostleship. So now you can't trust them either. This is a very slippery trail. Galatians 2, chapter 9, when James, Peter and John, who seem to be pillars perceive the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. Well, you can't have any of that nonsense then, can you? Those guys are done as well. So James, the leader of Jerusalem, the leader of the Jerusalem priesthood, the half-brother of Yehusha, extended Shaul Paul the right hand of fellowship. If Paul were a false teacher, then the trustworthiness of of those who extended him a right hand of fellowship, it it has to be questioned too, if you're going to be consistent and not a hypocrite. So now we've got another eight books of the remaining 11 books of the New Testament that have got to be kicked out too, if we're going to be consistent with our anti-Pauline hermeneutics. You've got to get rid of the Gospel of John You've got to get rid of 1 Peter. You've got to get rid of 2 Peter. You've got to get rid of James. You've got to get rid of 1 John. You've got to get rid of 2 John. You've got to get rid of 3 John. And yes, you've got to get rid of the book of Revelation. If you're going to be consistent and not a hypocrite. Because I can't stand hypocrites. So the only book now remaining to you that don't want to have fellowship with Paul's writings is Matthew, Mark, and Jude. That's all you got. And there's the problem. Then they bounce into Judaism, and the next thing they've denied, Yehusha. How can that be so? But then you really can't stop there either. You see, because we're unraveling the cord here. Because the Gospels of Matthew and Mark, they support Peter. And they support John as men commissioned by Yahweh, But if Peter and John are untrustworthy for accepting Paul as one of them, then the judgment of Matthew and Mark is very questionable too for accepting Peter and John, surely. So if you choose to reject Paul, then really, if you're not going to be a hypocrite, the only text left in the New Testament that is open to you is the 25 verses of Jude. Inconsistent Bible hermeneutics. Think it through. That is a broad road that leads to destruction, and many, and many have entered on it. I have seen it in the past 15 years in the Messianic movement, and it terrifies me. It's inconsistent Bible hermeneutics, and it is a ploy of the synagogue of SA ten to rip you off of your Damascus Road experience. Do not believe the little foxes that try to come in amongst the vines. You have to guard your faith and you have to guard Yahusha, your first love all and all. You have to set yourself on fire by the Holy Spirit to be able to have fellowship of course, with the Savior and with his Sholiach, his Apostle Paul. If you look at Ananias in Acts 9.15, Barnabas in Acts 9.26, Luke and Peter accepted Paul as an equal teacher, acknowledging Paul as having wisdom given him from Yahuwah. In 2 Peter 3.15, bear in mind that our master's patience means salvation, just as our dear, beloved brother Paul wrote you with the wisdom that Elohim gave him. So no New Testament writers regarded Paul as a false apostle, none, or enemy of the gospel, as some would assert. So where is all this coming from? It's coming from the synagogue of Satan. They who say they are Jews, they dress up like Jews, they pretend that, but they're not. He was known personally by no less than Peter, James, and John, and he founded a great many of the early Hebraic congregations all the way into Arabia and Damascus. Yes, Paul was a broken vessel, as we all are, but he was humbled. And Yahweh put him back together, that broken vessel. And that's Yahweh's grace and mercy that was extended to him on the Qumran Damascus road. I'm a broken vessel. You're a broken vessel. But he can put us back together. And when he does, then great things happen. Paul loathed his former life. He loathed it. He considered all his past accomplishments a pile of dung, Philippians 3.8. He considered himself the least of the apostles, 1 Corinthians 15.9. He never, ever denied being a sinner, never. And he stated explicitly that he did not die for anyone, 1 Corinthians 1.13. Look at Acts chapter 21, verse 17. We'll finish up here because some of you are going to go, well, you didn't deal with the other discrepancies. So I will deal with them right now. Acts chapter 21, verse 17. When we, that's the individual recording this portion of Acts concerning Paul, and Barnabas was obviously part of the group, had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. The day following, Paul went in with us to James, and all the elders were present. So Paul was recognized and submitted to the Jerusalem Council of Elders right here. And when he, that's Paul, had greeted them, he reported one by one the things which Yahweh had worked among the Gentiles through his ministry. They, when they heard it, they glorified Elohim. They said to him, you see, brother, how many thousands there are among the Jews of those who have believed, and they were all zealous for the Torah. Paul's upholding Torah. He's just been able to rightly divide the book of the law and the book of the covenant. He understands the dichotomy. But some of you are still not convinced, are you? You're still you're still not convinced. You may have picked up a more a few more historic or liter- literally literally blah, 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 literary discrepancies in Acts. So I do want to address those in finality. That take me about a minute. All right, five. Number one, the final discrepancies that some of you might just still not be convinced on. Number one, Saul ministers sometime in the Damascus synagogues, and when Jewish opposition arises, he's secreted away in a basket and travels to Jerusalem, right? But, some of you doubting Thomas is out there. Number two, in Damascus, the governor... Under Artus, the king, kept the city of the Damascans with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. All that text comes from Second Corinthians, eleven, verse thirty-two, which says that it's it's not a Jewish plot, but it's a plot from Artus, who was Artus. He was king of the Nabatean Arabs who plans to arrest Saul in Damascus. Slight conflict. But, number three, neither when I went up to Jerusalem, to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem. Of course, that's from Galatians 1.17. He goes first to Arabia and then to Damascus. So, how do we reconcile this apparent Pauline problem? It seems to some of you out there that are keyed into this that there are three disparate accounts, doesn't it? If you catch it, you may have to rewind to catch it. But, look, let's use Acts. This is my solution. On these three alleged disparate counts. And then we'll finish up. Let's use Acts as the basis and then see how the other two accounts fit into it. Number one, how about in Acts chapter 9, verse 19, Luke says Saul spent several days in Damascus. I don't have a problem with that because that's an indistinct number, which would definitely allow for him. Plenty of time to go and spend some time ministering in Arabia, wouldn't it? Which he does mention in Galatians chapter 1, verse 17. That locks those two in, no discrepancy. You see, Paul used Damascus as his home base. And he went back and forth, back and forth, ministering to the Nibetan Ab- Arabs, which then, of course, they were the descendants of Herod, the shadow government. So he was, you know, trying to unravel the conspiracy here, and these Nabatean Arabs then, he did this for three years, which totally lines up with Galatians. Then at the end of his three-year ministry, now having really upset the king of the Nabatean Arabs, which of course was Artus, they then conspired Those Arabs did. They conspired with the Jews in Damascus to arrest Paul. There's no conflict here either. Look at Acts 9.23. And after that, many days were fulfilled. The Jews took counsel to kill him. The synagogue of Esatan conspired with the king of the Nabataean Arabs to come in and take care of Paul. Then that harmonizes with 2 Corinthians 11, verse 32, which says thus. In Damascus, the governor under Aretas, the king, kept the city and the Damascans with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. There's no conflict here. There's no conflict. And finally, Luke, because some of you are going to still be hung up. Well, Luke never said nothing about that. In the whole book. the discrepant. No, no. Luke admits, obviously, I agree, Luke does omit the Arabian ministry from Acts. Give him a break. It's a big book. He's going on about it for 30 years here of, of, of Shaul's life. He's trying to save space on a lengthy book that spans 30 years of Paul's life. There is no problem here. When the three accounts are put together, they make a perfectly coherent whole. There is no need to chuck out Paul and assume parts of the three are fictional. There is no need. Now, when I share this with you, I do it out of concern. Because the end game is you unravel the inspiration of the word of Yahuwah, and then you'll be ready for transport, but you won't like the destination of your transportation. But there's another way, and the way is Yahusha, the way, the truth, the light, the life. And Paul the apostle is a true apostle, and his words are powerful because they are the inspired word of Yahuwah, delivered to you today. We have to overcome the fear. We have to overcome the anxiety. And we have to stick to the... There you are. Stick to the mission. Which is to be light and salt. And a lot of salt. And when you need more salt, bring on the salt. And expose the darkness. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm sticking to. The Apostle Paul. Rabbi Sholiach Shaul. I hope that helps some of you. Let's see how many people... Are offended in the chat. No, you shouldn't be. You guys are so gracious and good to me. I think all of the naysayers, you guys in the chat, dealt with them years ago. They all moved to Israel. Donning Keeper. All right. Redline me. red Redline me, brethren. Let's see. I'll refresh my screen. I'm going to put my timer on here because you have to put a harness around this boy. Let's see what we've got here. Ads, blooming ads, always ads. his ads everywhere, isn't there? Libby, Shabbat Shalom. She just popped up like a blossom right there. People are really struggling with these so-called discrepancies and they desire to find the truth. Thanks for addressing. Thank you, Libby, for being a beloved sister and being in the front lines. This girl has spent so much time trying to help trying to point people to the Melchizedek reality. So please, continue to support and stick with Libby. Thank you, Libby, for bringing it to my attention again, again, because it is so powerfully important. If there's one sheep that strays and we can bring them back into the fold, it's worth it. I pray that's what this um, teaching helps you to do. Angela, bonjour. At Chris, most likely they don't read any Bible. Well, that could be a problem, couldn't it? If you're not in the Word, you could easily stumble and fall. So get back in the Word and you'll be good. Philip LeMay, Shabbat Shalom there, Philip. Matthew, what advice would you give in sharing this revelation of the full scripture and the way of Yah with those still in Babylon, Rome and the papal system, right? Right. Well, again, I think it's all oh, the crux is the Melchizedek priesthood, the Book of Hebrews, the transference of priesthood, and you know you can look at some of our, you know, maybe our Malchizedek introduction or some of those Book of the Law, Book of the Covenant dichotomy teachings, and once you really understand that, I think that really sets a lot of people free, locks them free from lawlessness, and then it locks them free from the heavy bondage that is so apparent in. These messianic circles. So um, let's see. And I tell you what, life's life's amazing, isn't it? Here we go, the Libby tube. Paul was Yah's chosen vessel to explain this epic transition from the Aaronic priesthood back to the Melchizedek priesthood and the difference between the Book of the Law and the Book of the Covenant. You are so on, Libby. Thank you. Ah, oh, here we go, truth like Velcro, Shabbat Shalom, truth like Velcro. She's talking to Julia, but I'm butting right in here. While I don't believe in a rapture, I believe YAH will lead us to a safe place where the floodwaters cannot overtake us. I know a guy that believes like that too, don't you, Larry? Larry. You want to step in there, Larry. No, he doesn't like it when I put him on the on the on the on the on the precipice. Chris in FEMA Region Four is speaking to Diesel Grandpa, drinking our wine on Friday night as my wife spoke Yiddish. Does your wife actually speak Yiddish? Hey, nice. And Jerry Park says regarding that the synagogue of Satan. you will know them by their fruit and it's not good. Lacking the love of Abba and Yahushua, no witness of the Ruach HaKodesh. Exactly. We have to know one another by the fruit, produce that good fruit. Love, of course, abounding above all and all. Praise Yahuwah. Let's see how we're doing here. And we've got Passover coming up, so remember, TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. Get together in your area, in your FEMA regions, preferably just driving so you don't have to deal with TSA and all of that nonsense, okay? And just be very wary of of your region and area, and um, this is the time, this is the time, okay? Be the gray man, be the gray man. Oh, we're going to Ireland? What do you mean, we're going to Ireland, Chris, and FEMA region four, Ireland, ta, 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 Ireland? Of course, I am actually half, no, I'm not. Got to get the got, got, get, get my fractions right here. Let's think about that again. I am a quarter Irish. Because my mother is half Irish, so that makes me a quarter Irish. And she's from County Cork in Southern Ireland. Why are we going to Ireland? Lots of potatoes. We could survive on that. We'd have to put some turnips in the ground too and smother them with marmite. Then I'd go. All right, if there's something going on in Ireland, you don't like that, a t- or Stop it. Yeah, New Zealand. Somebody's saying New Zealand, but man, the laws, the laws in New Zealand are insane. And Australia. I'm saying it's a lot better here. At least we got, you know, still got some, I mean, they don't follow the laws because they're lawless. But better foundations, better foundations. Cameron Jada down there in California. Where are you? Brother Matthew, Cholret and I are very blessed to have found you and not fall into the messianic trap. I hope I can get to see you again soon, you two. It's been a long time, huh? Yeah, you should travel on up here. It's not that far. If, of course, Governor Newsom will let you go. Pharaoh, let my people go. He's too busy at the bloody French laundry. He's not going to pay any attention to you guys. Get out now. Get out now. If you're in California, get out now. What's that? 100,000 more signatures signatures to go. 100,000 more signatures to go. Hit it up. Hit it up. You know what we're talking about? Get it done. Get it done. Oh, Shiloh, don't encourage me. One would think that being brought, brought down by a light and blind for three days would make one think something had happened to Shaul. Doubt and unbelief must be reason they all throw Paul out. Well, it is doubt and unbelief. Just like the disciples, they had doubt and a, un- Oh, I don't believe it. He's coming here to tag us and transport us. Right? I have to overcome, not with Paul, but with the blooming world. Oh, they you know, certain, certain, you know, Solid reasons for that behavior I have. All right. All right. You guys are quite cool and calm today. Well, that's it. Angela, bonjour, madame. Thank you for addressing Paul today. So many are falling away from the truth because of false teachers. And that's the problem. On either side of the spectrum, you know, because papal Rome has propagated this lawless pull, which has predisposed people in their mind, because it's back here, right? Then they get all jazzed up about everything Israel, everything Jewish, and then the next thing... They just get sucked in by the synagogue of Satan, and it's easy because they already hit that. Oh, well, Paul's the reason I wasn't doing Torah. Now I'm doing Torah. I don't need Paul. Whoa. And now you've gone off into the broad road. You see, there's two broad roads and the narrow road that goes between the two is the Zedek high priest, Yahusha himself. And when you understand that, then you come into this amazing times my potato munchkin says thanks for taking on challenging aspects of being a pastor joshua 10 13 is it not written in the book of joshua and 2nd samuel 1 18 is it not written in the book of yasha i do actually um enjoy i have read the book of yasha several times it is a good commentary specifically on genesis but it is a commentary on genesis and again, you've got to look at the translations there. So Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, Shabbat Shalom to all of you. Do consider, please, donating and supporting this ministry. And again, thanks for watching all the way to the end. There's comments you can now put in the comment section. Subscribe and remember, give those thumbs up. And you salty dogs, the always, the two of you, that just thumb down. We love you already. And you know what? Just get over it, because you're still watching. You're still watching, aren't you? You're still watching. Why do you do that?